Welcome everybody, I'm your host, Brian, the Hype Ballard, and I'm back talking about Forbidden Door, the original score, here on the results and thoughts of Tap Out Talk. It was a night where the door got kicked open into another realm, a multiverse if you will. What if New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW met eye to eye? That's what we're going to look at. That's what we're going to retro review as we take it on tonight. Without further ado, let's get in. Alright guys, we're going to start with the buy-in matches first. First up, we had QT Marshall and Aaron Solo versus Hiroku Goto and Yoshihashi. The first match of the buy-in was the tag match between these two. And... Marshall, again, and Solo playing the heels in this one, so the crowd gave him plenty of heat. This was a fast-paced match with some good action, but it did not in, um, exactly include a lot of selling, and it felt like they were just moving from one spot to the next, trying to hype up the main show. So, Goto and Yosho, uh, Yoshihashi scored the win to kick off on the kickoff show, so Goto and Hashi pull out the victory. Next, we got Lance Archer. What happened to Lance Archer? Man, he was supposed to be the beast from the east of AEW. Lance Archer versus the factory's Nick Komoroto. So that next match, we see Nick taking on Lance. This kept the factory in the ring for two matches in a row and gave us two powerhouses throwing down. The physicality was good in here because both guys have the size and power to really make this one work. And then they um, didn't have a lot of time, again, because of these buy matches. We're kind of going right through in between the promos, trying to really build up the show and get a good, decent sell rate. So, ultimately, they were given some minimal minutes in action. And Archer was able to pick up the win with his blackout finisher in what ended up being a quick but entertaining little mini showdown between these two for these guys. So, this is, again, the second match on the buy-in. We get more promos, but then we get right into a third match. Man, I miss having matches on the buy-in. So, the third match on the buy-in was a tag team bout with Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee facing Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado. Swerve and Lee spent more time on defense than offense in this one, but the announcers made sure to mention their recent communication issues as a possible reason for them being a little bit like that. Swerve and Desperado were the stars of this match, and they had the best exchanges out of all the different combinations that we were able to see and watch. 
in the last few minutes were honestly the best part of the match. Lee and Swerve were able to secure the win and right before Team Taz talked to them from the crowd. So your winners, Swerve and Lee. And then we get promos and then we get into the fourth and final buy-in match. And if you want to hype up a pay-per-view, you need the acclaimed. So the final buy-in match was an eight-man tag between Max Caster and the Gun Club, taking on Yoi Armora, Alex Coughlin, the DKC, and Kevin Knight. Austin and Colton ended up running backstage to look for Danhausen after he taunted them from the big screen. This allowed the New Japan stars to get an early four-on-two advantage. Caster and Billy were able to get in some offense here, but it wasn't really much or enough. And then they were underdogs as soon as Billy's uh, Gun's kids took off on them. However, Caster and Billy were able to make a comeback and get the win with the mic drop. And then this overall was just a really good, okay, fun match. And there were a couple sloppy moments in it. But you know what? For a buy-in show, you get what you pay for. Caster and Billy pick up the win on this one. And now it's time for the main event. And if you're in on the main event, you know about the IWC. All of us over at the fans of pro wrestling.com and Carlos, my tag team partner, John, Will, Heather. You know what we do over there on Twitter. Thank you guys for like, sharing, and subscribing because I know you do that here on the channel for me. So come out, be a part of the crew. Let's get in. Let's get into the main thing of Forbidden Door. The opening match was Chris Jericho, Minoru Suzuki, and Sammy Guevara versus Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shoto Umino. Excalibur welcomes us to the show, joined by Taz and Kevin Kelly. Good old KK. And then we have Jericho Appreciation Society music hitting right away with Jericho out with Guevara and Tay Conti. And there's an English and Japanese ring announcers for the show introducing their respective brands, which I did like. It made it feel like two worlds colliding, right? Minoru Suzuki is out next, and with his full entrance, Shota Unimo is out with the first for his team, followed by Wheeler Yuta, a favorite of the Blackpool Combat Club today, and Eddie Kingston. Kingston is intense, throwing his bandana at Jericho. Yuta and Jericho start off the match. Jericho slaps him, Yuta slaps him back. He ain't taking anything. And then Yuta hits strikes. German controls the waist with another German suplex. And then a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. And Jericho's just getting German suplexed out of the ability. Yuta and Angle hits, a, and hits an angle slam cover for a two count. Yuta with a cross face. Everybody runs in and a huge big brawl just jumps into this matchup. And they're all over the place and they're getting a little crazy. So Yuta's back in with Gavir eventually with a Guevara dropkick. Yuta with a body slam sent time for a cover and a one count. At this point, Umino tags in, gets a dropkick. Guevara rakes the eyes to Jericho. Jericho with chops. And these guys go a little bit back and forth and show some of their skills in the ring. Then finally we get Jericho tagging in with boots to Kingston. Kingston with chops to Jericho in the corner, then chops to Guevara. And Suzuki locks in an armbar into the ropes. Jericho over with an armbar, an armbar, and then a tag to Suzuki. Suzuki takes out Umino and Yuta in the corner and covers Kingston for a one and a two. Kingston with a chop. Suzuki locks in the octopus, which is a very fun move, and I always enjoy watching those kind of moves. But Kavir gets a cross face on Yuta, and Jericho with an abdominal stretch on Umino 
and Kingston gets to the ropes. At this point, we get a little bit further, and there's some back and forth tag action in the match. But then we get fast forward later on to Guevara hitting a shooting star press to the outside on Amino. And Yuta with a dive over the top rope and Guevara. Kingston with a tope suicida. And Suzuki feigns a dive and he fakes it for, uh, and gets a forearm to Amino. We go a little bit further on in the match. Guevara with a knee strike to Amino. And Amino blocks the walls of Jericho. Jericho hits. A, an avalanche power slam, but he goes for a cover. Suzuki breaks the count. Yuta argues with Tay on the outside. Guevara hits the GTH on the outside. Jericho goes for the lion salt, but Kingston knocks him off the rope. Amino covers for a one and a two. Guevara hits Amino with a bat behind the referee's back, and Jericho misses the Judas effect. Amino hits a brain buster cover for a one and a two. Amino locks in the walls of Jericho. Guevara hits a thrust kick. Suzuki with a headbutt. Pile driver to Kingston. Suzuki and Guevara with stomps to Amino. Amino fights them both off. Jericho hits the Judas effect for the one, the two, the three, the win, and the pin for Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Suzuki. It's a great important win for the Jericho Appreciation Society in this one. They're going to get the advantage at Blood and Guts on Wednesday, the following Dynamite. And then we also get a nice matchup here to warm up the crowd. Um, I felt like this was the perfect pick to do that for Forbidden Door. You get a little bit of mixture of different, you know, the wrestling styles, but you get a veteran presence that the fans are going to chant for with Jericho, along with some legends, in case you didn't know who those Japanese legends are. So... Very good start to the Forbidden Door show with the first match. Let's get on to the second, and that is the winner takes all IWGP World Tag Team Titles versus the Ring of Honor Tag Team Titles. One team to hold them all, one team to bind them, and one team to just go out there and find them. Trent and Dax start lock up, and Dax gets a headlock, shoulder tackle. Trent with the leg, scissors, and it's evenly matched. So at this point, we do have, of course, um, Cobb, who tags himself in in a chop through the corner, and Cobb with a shoulder block. Uh, I will say this, Jeff Cobb's a pretty good wrestler. Um, I don't know if you guys remember him from Lucha Underground. He was um, the main boss of the Underground's uh, brother that was locked in the cell down in the basement. Go back and watch that one. So at this point, we get a little action from FTR, cash tags in, and we get a double headbutt, an uppercut, and a quick tag back to Dax, and now we're getting some classic 80 styles w or WWF type styles wrestling. So at this point, Romero tags again, strikes to Cash. Close line to the corner. Hurricane Rada. Dax is taken back to the back. Khan tags in the chops. Romero covers for a one and a two. Khan strikes in the corner and then hits Cash's head in the corner. Cobb tags in. Cash tries to fight out but can't. Cobb hits a clothesline. He stomps and a surfboard and a spinning slam. And then, Khan tags in. There's a body slam. Cash pulls Khan's hair to his just to escape. Cash wants a tag and Dax, but there isn't anything there. So he gets and he tags in Trent from Rapongi Vice. So at this point, Trent with a Tornado DDT. There's a boot to Cobb. Romero hits a Hurricane Rana. And Khan with a power slam on the apron. Romero with a diving knee. And Trent hits a spear on Khan. Romero with a missile drop kick, a beautiful missile drop kick, cover for a one and a two. 
lot of back and forth tag action in this one because they're fighting for all the gold. But we're going to fast forward a little bit and where Romero is in the ring and he drops Khan, drops Khan's arm on the rope. Cash and Romero hit a spike pile driver on Khan. Trent tags in. Double knees to Cobb. Cobb hits a power bomb in Trent. Sling blade to Cash. Cobb on a standing moonsault to Trent. And Cobb with all over the place like a madman. Hits a German to Trent. A cover. A one. A two. Trent with a dive to Dax. And Rapongi Vice hits the storm. Zero cover. But then Cash breaks the count at just two. Romero with a victory roll. Thinking he's got it this time, but it's a one and a two. Romero with an inside cradle for yet another two. Romero with an inside cradle at that point, following it up then with Romero with an insiguri. And then FTR hits the big rig for the one, the two, and the three. Winner and still Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions and new IWGP World Tag Team Champions, FTR. We'll say this, FTR now holding all the gold, and this is the building blocks of them being taken serious in AEW, holding both Ring of Honor and IWGP titles at the time. Let's say it's amazing, plus in the post, media scrum of this show to hear FTR discuss their journey. My opinion, and I'll stay to this, FTR is the best modern day 80s style tag team when tag team wrestling was like huge. They are a modern day brain busters in my opinion. Very technical. Very legit. Very, very world champions. FTR. Up next, we've got the All-Atlantic Championship, Malachi Black, Pac, Miro, and Tomohiro Ishii, who looks like a little bulldog. Pac goes straight after Black in this one, and Miro, with, with a back elbow to Connors, covers for a one and a two count. And at this point, Miro's in the corner, and he hits a chop Miro, then body slams and stomps, and he catches a crossbody. So basically, these guys are just kind of in this all crazy fatal four-way match, right? And we're thinking, who's going to end up as champion in this one? I want to actually talk about this for a minute. Because we knew with the All-Atlantic Championship, it was going to be Malachi Black, Packer Miro, right? I don't think um, Ishii was planning to be into the part of this, you know, picture of who's going to be champion. But what I will say, um, it's interesting because you got, you know, two main... You know, three XWW guys, but Pac has been there from the beginning. Pac's been in the AEW guy from day one. He's been down from day one-ish, if you will. And then you got Miro and Black, who kind of joined the party a couple hours late. And then they joined over into AEW. We're going to see if that plays into this finish of this matchup. So, we can go fast forward here in the action. We get Black, who goes under the ring at one point, and he gets a table, and he sets up a Sets it up on the barricade. Black pulls Miro out of the ring. Miro blocks and throws him into the steel steps. Miro catches a dive, but Pat throws him into the ring post. Connors appears out of nowhere and spears Miro through the table. And then hits strikes to Black. Black strikes back. Connors with the lariat. Power slams. And then at this point, we go a little bit further on. And Pat hits some thrust kicks. And then Black knocks him off the top rope. There's a Tower of Doom spot in the corner with all four men. 
and Miro throws uh, Black and everybody else out of the ring, and then gets hit with a Machka, and then hits a Machka kick on Pac, and then locks in the game over. But Pac struggles through the ropes. Miro's dragging him back to the middle. Black spits the Black Mist onto Miro, and then locks in an armbar. But Pac hits the 450 on both of them, and then locks in a Brutalizer. And then Connors basically taps out of this one. And there's a new AEW All-Atlantic Champion, and his name is Pac. And I will tell you this, in this one, this is an example of Tony Khan rewarding loyalty. He wanted to give it to Pac, because Pac has been AEW from day one. He wanted him to have something that says, yes, I appreciate you. You cannot always just let the guys come in from another promotion and go straight into something, right? Um, not in most cases, anyway. You can do it in some. But I think Tony Khan has been very smart about not making his current talent mad at this point in time with the behaviors of just pushing everybody else, unless they've really been a world champion in other places. So kudos to them on that call and getting back some relevancy here. And then we're going to go to our next matchup. It's the Bullet Club meeting up with the Dudes with Attitudes. So at this point, the Bullet Club, uh, Shingo Takagi, I'm going to mess up some of these names tonight, makes his entrance for our next match. Darby Allen is out after that. Sting's music plays, but in this one, Sting does not appear. Very mysterious, very ominous. And then the Bullet Club make their entrance, and the lights cut out. Sting is up in the rafters. Very, very old school Sting in the rafters type thing. Sting appears behind the Bullet Club. The light cuts out after he's in the rafters and then Sting um, appears behind the Bullet Club and jumps off the entrance of the tunnels onto the Bullet Club. And Sting is too old to be doing these kind of things, but I love it. So at this point, we get a trios match with the Bullet Club, Young Bucks, and El Phantasmo with the dudes with attitude, Sting, Darby Allen, and Shingo Takagi. So at this point, there's a big brawl on the ramp before it all breaks down. And Takagi with a surfboard in to Phantasmo. Sting tags in and takes down Phantasmo. Darby Allen tags in with an arm drag. Matt Jackson tags in. The Bucks with a double team attack. Nick with a dive to the outside. Matt with an eye poke. The Bucks with a double team neck breaker on Darby. Fantasmo tags in, he takes out Sting and Takagi, and then shows off as he flips before doing a back break. Matt tags in, flips around, and he does a back break. Matt uh, then strikes in the corner. Fantasmo tags in, and at this point, we get a little bit of more action, and Sting is eventually taken out. Darby with boots to Fantasmo, then hits the code red. Takagi tags in and takes out the Bucks back elbow to Nick. Lariat snap suplex cover for a one and a two. Nick with a roundhouse kick. Takagi hits a Death Valley driver. Sting tags in. Strikes to the Bucks. Fantasmo hits Sting from behind. And these guys are just going all over the place and pandemonium is going wild at this point. We're going to move on to the end here where the Bucks go for a double tope suicida. Fantasmo tightrope walks right across the ring ropes just like in a circus, and then dives onto Darby. 
The Bucks and Infantasma who hits a triple super kick on Sting. The Bucks miss the BTE trigger, and then Sting hits a double scorpion death drop. Sting twists Phantasma's nipples, that's right, he twists his nipples, and then hits a low blow. That's the ultimate insult right there, you mess with a man's nipples and then you hit him with the low blow in the crotch. Darby hits a coffin drop to Hikuleo, and Takagi with an elbow to Phantasmo strikes back and forth, a huge lariat, a cover for a two count, but Takagi hits the last of the dragons for the one, the two, and the three. The winners are... The dudes with attitudes, Sting and company, leading them through to the victory at Forbidden Door. Moving right along, we've got our women's championship matchup, and that is Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm. There's a lockup in the ring, and Storm um, rings the arm. Rosa escapes evenly matched. Storm traps the arm. Rosa escapes the stalemate. And Rosa rings the arm, shoulder tackle Storm, and gets a roll-up for a two-count. Rosa dodges a super kick. Rosa with chops. Storm gets a cover. Storm with a snap suplex, a cover for a one-count. Storm with a surfboard. Rosa counters inside Cradle for another two-count. So you get a lot of Lucha style going on here with this one. Um, just a lot of back-and-forth, back-and-forth matching. Storm then throws Rosa out of the ring eventually after a lot of this, and then Rosa with a Northern Lights suplex on the outside. Storm knocks Rosa off the aprons, goes for the top, um, goes to the top. Rosa with an uppercut, then Storm hits a German on the apron. Storm with a Tornado DDT. Storm with a running hip, a Tornado DDT, a two count for her efforts. Storm with an uppercuts, Rosa with an arm, running knee strikes, and then hits the Death Valley Driver. Rosa hits the Fire Thunder Driver for a one and a two. Rosa with a kicks to the Storm. Storm pucks at a German suplex. We're getting towards the end here. Rosa with an arm drag, and Rosa hits the final reckoning for the one, the two, the three, and still AEW Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa. Rosa and Storm end up shaking hands after the match. And this was when Tony Storm was playing nice. Tony Storm was playing the goody-goody of entering AEW. My, how a lot changes in a year. Really good match between these ladies. Um, I love the style of Thunder Rosa mixing with the style of Tony Storm. I've always said I've been a fan of Tony Storm's work. I feel like she's Chris Jericho, female Chris Jericho. She's got a great vibe, a great style to her, and it gelled pretty nicely here with uh, Thunder Rosa on the card tonight. So I definitely think these two, you know, gelled well and could have even more future matches if necessary. Thunder Rosa seems to be the one that can have good rivalries with quite a few people on this card, so she's definitely a talent. Now, business is about to pick up at this point, and boy is it ever, because these last three matches at Forbidden Door were definitely something to just highly think about. So, we're going to get the ever-popular Orange Cassidy, and if you don't think Orange Cassidy's popular, then you got to be in the know to know, you know, and you're just not in, and we're with it. Okay, Orange Cassidy is over. There's a reason Orange Cassidy gets pushed in AEW, and I'll talk about that here in a minute. And then you got Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he is supposedly just to me the cat's meow of what is going on now in IWGP. So, basically, or in the New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
So it is the IWGP United States Championship that's going to be on the line. And Orange starts with his hands in his pockets and he does the whole bit, right? Uh, he dodges Osprey's drop kicks. He gets some applause for his efforts. Osprey hits a snapmare, but Orange sweeps the legs, dodges a dive. Orange then does some kip ups and he does his kind of hands in his pockets bit. And then Orange mocks Osprey. He Orange then hits a hurricane rod. The crowd's really loving this part of it, and they're just getting right behind Orange Cassidy. Osprey then throws Orange out of the ring and then runs around the ring and then hits a diving boot. Osprey then with a chop, a hard whip into the corner. And he's doing a lot of damage outside to Orange Cassidy, the hero, and just burying him down a little bit. And then later on, Orange hits a hip toss in the ring and throws Osprey into the corner. There's a diving crossbody. Osprey throws him across the ring. Osprey with a diving roundhouse kick. Osprey then with a diving elbow for a one and a two. Osprey mocks Orange and Orange falls to the map. Orange then kicks in the, in the face and Orange then gets up, puts his hands in his pockets again. And then Orange with a drop kick and Orange kips up. Um, weak kicks to Osprey, the very weak, lazy kicks. And Osprey faces Orange, forearms him. And then Orange dodged an os cutter. And then Orange hits a deep cover for a one and a two. So at this point, we get some this is awesome chance in the match between these two. You know, different little styles, but they gel in really well, and they're really making this one work for the crowd, for everyone, for myself. But ultimately, what we get then is, you know, some more moonsaults, and then Orange hits a beach break cover for her two counts. We get a lot of two counts. I think the most two counts happen in this matchup here tonight. There are a lot of close calls. But ultimately, where it all comes to the end is Osprey hits a lariat, a run and knee. He gets a two count again. And then Osprey hits the Stormbreaker for the one, the two, the three, the win, and the pinfall. And still, IWGP United States Champion Will Osprey. I will say, this matchup was fun, it was entertaining. And it really made me want to see more of Will Ospreay. I want to see more. I knew what I had in Orange Cassidy. But he, Will Ospreay can work with anybody. That's intriguing to me. You know who else could work with anybody? Eddie Guerrero. Shawn Michaels. Those kind of guys just tend to be able to work with anybody. And Will Ospreay definitely showed that he is flexible. So... After uh, the matchup, we get Aussie open, tears Orange's pockets off, and then Osprey and Rapongi Vice run down to make the save, and Osprey and Aussie open beat them down. Um, Shibata's music hits. Shibata fights off the Aussie open on the ramp, and then um, Shibata faces down Osprey. Osprey with strikes. Shibata hits a pump kick, and then at this point, um, we basically get a run drop kick into the corner. Shibata hits a rear naked choke. Aussie open draw, drags Osprey out. Shibata sits cross-legged in the ring, staring them both down. Orange and Shibata face off. Orange puts his sunglasses on and it gives them the nice thumbs up as a respect and recognition. That was a good match. It was a fun match. And again, I want to see more of Will Osprey in the future. But for now, let's go into our mystery of the night. It was Zack Sabre Jr. You guys remember Zack Sabre Jr. If you guys know him, you know him from overseas and from Japan. But you also might remember Zack Sabre Jr. from the original Cruiserweight Tournament in WWE and NXT. 
There was the Cruiserweight Classic Open, and it showcased Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. and these kind of guys, and that's where Zack Sabre Jr. really got my attention. So I was familiar with his work. And then we were supposed to get, I believe it was Daniel Bryan in this matchup in a dream match, but due to injury and due to last-minute issues, Tony Khan had to call an audible and put in the backup quarterback. And none other than that guy was... Claudio Casanoli, formerly the Cesaro of the WWE. There's a video package for Zack Sabre Jr. and his mystery opponent. Zack Sabre made it his entrance. And then we get Claudio's music hit right here. We get Zack Sabre versus Claudio. Casanoli runs in with a bigger uppercut. And then he hits a neutralizer and he gets a medium two and a kick out. Casanoli throws Sabre into the barricade. Another big uppercut. Casanoli throws Sabre into the barricade again and goes for another uppercut, but Sabre moves out of the way. Sabre then attacks the arm, Casanoli with the boot. Casanoli with a delayed vertical suplex count for a one and a two. Sabre with a knee bar in the ropes and then over the eight ring apron. Sabre with an arm bar, joint manipulation on the fingers. Sabre with the kicks to Casanoli. Casanoli with another European uppercut, but Sabre runs into the ring post and then he hits an arm bar. Saber with an armbar submission. He hooks the leg. Casanoli gets a scissors on him. Saber's hitting with an uppercut. Casanoli then hits a backbreaker and another and another. And then Casanoli hits the running uppercuts to the corners that he loves to do for a two count for his efforts. Saber rakes the eyes and he gets an armbar. Casanoli picks him up. Saber hangs on and he's hanging on for dear life. They're fighting back and forth. Casanoli later hits a gut wrench suplex. Casanoli hits then some more uppercuts. He was like the king of uppercuts in this thing tonight. Lots of running uppercuts, lots of back and forth uppercuts. He had more uppercuts than they had two counts in the last matchup. So actually, we get a little bit further with a lot of uppercuts later. And then we get another uppercut back and forth. Saber falls out onto the apron. Casanoli with, you guessed it, another uppercut. And Saber counters Another uppercut into the high kick. Sabre gets a choke. Casanoli gets the ropes, and Sabre gets the kick to the chest. Casanoli asks for more. He wants more. He's used to Sheamus smacking him right in the chest, right? But then he goes to hit an uppercut, and then he gets a lariat cover for a one and a two. Sabre gets in a European clutch for a nice two count, and Casanoli hits an uppercut. Lariat. And then hits the power bomb for the win and the pin. Claudio Casanoli is all elite. I want to say this about Claudio, aka Cesaro. Claudio coming in, not just saving the pay-per-view, as Tony Khan would call it, but saving AEW. And I want to mention uh, my name for Claudio is Claudio the Classy. He's one of the most humble appreciative wrestlers on the planet when you meet people even if it's a short minute you can get an impression off of these guys when you're face to face in a room with them and when i got to talk to claudio just briefly at the last house show you can tell he's very appreciative for where he is you can tell he's very grateful to have a boss like tony khan and you can tell that he wants to be an asset the fact that he gets along really well with John Moxley doesn't hurt, and Daniel Bryan, that doesn't hurt either. The Blackpool Combat Club, as they are today known, is probably the one of the best factions 
in the modern wrestling era. Now, WWE does have their bloodline. I'll agree with that. But man, Blackpool Combat Club, Mox, Yuta, Claudio, Brian. It's a good group of guys to have in your locker room. None of them troublemakers. Not all of them. Not, not all of them. They're all good guys to have as those veterans. You don't hear about any drama with them. Claudio the Classy knows how to talk to fans. He knows how to interact. Show appreciation for the people that know him. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm a fan. I like Claudio. I like his work. And that's the fact, the fact that he's crazy strong. Insanely strong. And that doesn't get talked about enough and he's tough as nails he's the kind of guy that eats nails for breakfast and he chews glass that's Claudio and he speaks like seven languages so Claudio celebrates in the ring he soaks in the crowd he's happy to be there he's got a company he feels like appreciates him and a boss that thinks the world of him and when you win people's hearts like that you win their minds let's move on to our next matchup we get Jay White, Adam Hangman Page, Kazuke Okada, and Adam Cole for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship of the World. Holy shit, chance start out, and the crowd is on their feet before any action even takes place. Jay White leaves the ring, Cole leaves the ring, Okada and Page shake hands, and Cole pulls Page out of the ring. White attacks Okada from behind. Okada with a big boot to White. Page and Okada with a double elbow. White and Cole agree to work together before they get attacked because they got that original Bullet Club roots going on. White attacks Page from behind. Cole White hit a double suplex on the ramp. Cole with strikes to Okada. There's a neck breaker. White with a chop, another chop, another chop. And White attacks Page on the outside. Page throws him into the steel steps. White and Cole beat down Okada. Page with shots to White and Cole. And Page with a lariat going all in. And then we get some two counts in there. Page with the chops to the Cole. Okada tries to fight off White and Cole after a drop kick. It sends him out of the ring. Okada throws White into the barricade and then hits a big boot. He throws Cole and White into the crowd. And then he hits a diving crossbody into both of them. Okada locks in the money clip on Cole. White, though, he's there to save it. He breaks it up and hits the Saito suplex. Page with some chops. White with a flatline. Page with some German suplexes. A jackknife cover. Cole with a kick to break that cover. Guys go back and forth on this matchup. Some good action for this fatal four-way. A lot of fun, just interaction. Um, I like what I'm seeing from Adam Cole. The teased team-up between him and Jay White. Okada. There's a reason this guy's known. Rainmaker. So we go on. We get some more moves and some more Juven suplexes. We get a discant lariat. Cole throws Paige into the ring post later on. You gotta wonder, which of these guys is here to take the pin? Who's going to take the pin in this one? These guys are all looking pretty strong. Okada then eventually hits a dropkick and a Michinoku driver. Cole ducks under the Rainmaker. White hits the Blade Runner on Okada. Jay White gets 
the Blade Runner on Okada, and then he covers Adam Cole for the one, the two, and the three. And still IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Jay White. The Undisputed Elite walks past White. As he is leaving, they check on Adam Cole, and the doctors are checking on Cole as well. All the guys in this matchup did a really great job, and they did their jobs that night. But Jay White looked like the IWG World Heavyweight Champion, and that's the way this needed to go down. When you invite a guest into the house, like New Japan, you got to have their world champion look strong. And AEW did the right thing and did the business of making Jay White their champion look strong. I want to tell you, I'm liking Jay White. Um, I would like to see more of what he does now in AEW, but um, I like what I've seen in this matchup, and he definitely looks like a complete package of a wrestler. I get Randy Orton vibes, just the look and the style, but he's got a little more to him, but he's got a methodical approach in the ring, and I kind of like that. So, Jay White, somebody to keep an eye on. The post-media scrum, he stayed in character. Uh, he yelled, tried to play the diva a little bit, faked me out a little bit. I think I was like, is this guy serious right now? Is he that egotistical? But I know he was in character. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would say Jay White is a name to remember. And then we get to the main event, the AEW Interim World Championship. This is when we were doing the interim thing. So, we get John Moxley Mox, versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Hiroshi Tanahashi, if you guys don't know, they're marketing and kind of telling us that he is the Bret Hart of Japan. All right, I can get on board with that. Japanese Bret Hart versus John Moxley. Let's see what this is about. We get a lock up and we go behind. Tanahashi gets in the arm. Moxley rings the arm. Tanahashi with a drop toe hold, a headlock, a snapmare, and he breaks in the ropes. There's a lockup. Tanahashi gets a headlock. Tanahashi gets a back elbow. A crossbody. Tanahashi air guitars in the ring. Moxley's getting pissed off and he hits a forearm back and forth. Tanahashi hits a low drop kick into a dragon screw. Okay. Kind of see what they're saying here about the Bret Hart vibes. You get a little back and forth type style technical action. Continuing on. Tanahashi hits the attack on the legs. Moxley gets to the ropes. Moxley hits a cutter. Forearms, back, forth, chops, Moxley with a clothesline in the corner. There's a back break, an underhook, a suplex. And Moxley hits the pile driver for the one and the two. All right, so now we're getting into a little more technical, but a little more brawling going on. It's interesting that Tanahashi is keeping Moxley in the ring on this one for the majority of the part. Very interesting. Moxley is fighting, he's striking back. Tanahashi's striking right back with him. There's body slams, there's somersaults, sentons. There's two counts, you can guess that. Moxley throws Tanahashi, oh, there it is, right out of the ring, but he skins the cat. Then Moxley clotheslines him out of the ring. Now we're going to the Mox zone. Now we're going to the outside. Moxley throws Tanahashi into the barricade. Moxley is the madman brawler of AEW, and he hits Uranagi through the timekeeper's table. Moxley waits in the ring. He goes back in the ring. While the ref counts Tanahashi out, 
Tanahashi gets in just at the nine. Moxley with the kicks to the chest. Tanahashi asks for more, and he asks for more. And he catches a kick, and Moxley counters it into an arm break. Tanahashi with stomps. Tanahashi hits the sling blade. Moxley falls out of the ring, and Moxley has been busted open at some point in this matchup at this time. And he's bleeding. He's wearing the crimson mask, and he's wearing it proud. Tanahashi goes to the top. He hits a fly flow out to the outside. Tanahashi throws Moxley back in the ring. Moxley is bleeding really bad, and Moxley goes for the paradigm shift. But Tanahashi blocks it into a twisting suplex. Moxley counters into a German, and then a paradigm shift that covers for a one and a two. Moxley's elbowing Tanahashi. Hits a headbutt. Tanahashi goes for the high fly flow. Tanahashi back for another cover for a one and a two. Moxley kicks out. And then at this point, he gets a bulldog choke, but Tanahashi just escapes. Moxley with a headbutt. Tanahashi hits a jackknife cover for a two count. Moxley then a near choke, but Tanahashi gets rolled up for a one and a two. Moxley with a lariat. Tanahashi strikes. Moxley, where they're building up to something, they're hitting the third act here. Hits a Hong or King Kong lariat. A cover's just for a one count. Moxley then gets a hammer and anvil elbows. Moxley locks in a choke, and Moxley hits the Death Rider for the one, the two, and the three. John Moxley is your new AEW interim world champion. Moxley celebrates in the ring. He's a bloody mess at Forbidden Door. That's the look of a hardcore champion right there. We got the camo, you got the big gold belt, and you got the crimson mask to wear it. And you got the victory also over a Japanese legend. I like this matchup a lot. I think at this point in time in AEW with the, the injury to CM Punk, I believe it was, this was Mox was the right guy to go to. Mr. Dependable. And John Moxley looked great in this matchup with Tanahashi. And I don't know if CM Punk would have had that kind of matchup. Never doubt out Punk. But I'm just going to say, John Moxley was the right guy in the right place at the right time. And he did the real results. Moxley celebrates with the title with the blood pouring down his face. He sits in the corner. He gets up. He talks to Tanahashi. And then they just shake hands. Jericho Appreciation Society ends up running down and attacks Moxley and Tanahashi. Jericho wipes Moxley's blood on his face. Kingston runs down and attacks Jericho. The Blackpool Combat Club then run down to even the odds. More Jericho Appreciation Society members run down and a huge brawl just kicks out into the ring. Claudio Casanoli runs down and attacks Jericho and he hits, guess, it, guess what he hits? He hits bigger uppercuts on Jericho to Sammy, to Garcia, to Parker. Everybody gets one. Casanoli clears the ring. Claudio the Classy swings Parker 20 times round and round in the big swing. The JAS regroup and they revamp while the Blackpool Combat Club hold down the ring. Forbidden Door goes off the air. And then there's commentary for the plug for blood and guts that will occur on Wednesday. It was a good main event. That was a really good pay-per-view. Uh, let's talk about Moxley and Tanahashi. I think it delivered. 
I feel like that match did grab me and draw me in. And I feel like, yeah, it was Japanese Bret Hart versus Hardcore Moxley. I liked what I seen here at Forbidden Door with the main event match. Let's go into the final thoughts for the overall pay-per-view. All right, so AEW Forbidden Door. It opened. Japan came in. And AEW had a merged show with an, one of the bigger brands in the world. And I, I like the partnership, and I want to see more and more and more of this in the future, just like what we're going to see on Sunday. Over 1,000, 100,000 buys for this show. Over 100,000 buys on pay-per-view. It was definitely a landmark event. I want you to also talk about John Moxley. John Moxley is the original Forbidden Door, as he mentioned in the post-media scrum. He was the Forbidden Door. He was the WWE guy that came to AEW right while he was still hot in the WWE. And if you don't think Tony Khan doesn't know that, that's why he's the go-to guy and the champion. That's why Chris Jericho has this spot too. AEW Forbidden Door, it did open a new door for me as a fan. For me, as a modern day fan wanting to see modern day New Japan Pro Wrestling stars, it actually inspired me to watch more of their work. And I'll be doing that. And I'll be going back and researching and probably covering some of that on the channel just to see a little bit more. I want to learn about these stars in these other parts of the world. And maybe that's the thing to do if you get stale on the modern product in America is check out some of this other stuff. If you guys know of any good wrestlers in Japan right now that I should just watch and go back and look at, leave them in the comments below or hit me up on Twitter. I'd be interested in seeing what you guys like that are the New Japan Pro Wrestling Elite. Claudio Castanoli again debut was one of the best that I've seen in AEW in the last year or so. He's been dependable as well. That's the group of guys that I want to hang my hat on if I'm Tony Khan. Guys, that's Forbidden Door 2022. That's my results. That's my final thoughts. I want to say thank you for joining me. Like, share, subscribe as always. And it's not goodbye, but it's what? Game over.